Jesus raise him, and his message is entitled, The Kingdom of Grace and Glory. goes the dynamite. The uh, kingdom of grace and glory. As time marches on toward uh, the Feast of Trumpets, toward atonement, toward the Feast of Tabernacles, and toward the last great day, our minds are generally turned and tuned to the understanding that God has given us about what these days mean and the salvation plan that he has laid out for us. And they present in these holy days to the call of God his amazing grace and the glory that is to come to those who stay on track. But in the meantime, we know that there are troublesome times that are ahead before we enter that kingdom and receive that crown of glory. About this present age in which we live, we know from 2 Timothy 3.15 that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And some may get tired of hearing that. It's been repeated quite a bit and will be repeated quite a bit. But terrible times will come in the last days. And it will continue until the return of Jesus Christ. So how are we to be? What are we to be thinking about? How are we to adjust to all the changing times that we live in? We know that today that there are many who have second thoughts about, about going out. About going out to the restaurant or to the mall or to some gathering place, or even to church, because it may not be safe. Today there are many who have those second thoughts, but it's a reasonable concern. It's not, it's not a, a weakening fear that, uh, that sometimes we have. A national polling firm, John Brogdon's Strategies, in October of 2020, showed that 59% of Americans and 61% of teens believe they or someone close to them are likely to encounter a violent incident or experience self-harm or contract COVID or some other uh, disease. The poll also showed that safety at work, in school, and in public places is no longer an assumption that we can take for granted. 
another poll in July of 2022 by SafeLife.com reported that 53% of Americans are highly concerned about gun violence every single day. In a 2020 CR Newswires survey showed that more than 70% of Americans feel safe only at home. So we read in 2 Timothy 3, 1, 5, you, you can go there, you can know about all those things that are going to be characteristic of the last days. So Paul informed Timothy, and he said, This know, this know that in the last days, dangerous times shall come. Now we know that good guys can go bad in spite of their training or their upbringing, even Christians. So it was a few centuries ago, and things have basically remained the same. And so Paul, as the apostle of Jesus Christ, writes to tell Christians to stay on track, to keep their minds focused, to keep their vision toward God. So as Christians, we walk by faith and not by sight. A Christian is, of course, is one who follows Christ, one who has the Holy Spirit, one who keeps the commandments. But they have been waylaid by false prophets and also by false leaders who claim to know the way. But in Second Corinthians, we read that it says, Behold, I send you forth, talking to Christians, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be ye therefore wise, as Christ said, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. The other day I was, uh, we had this water fountain, and I went out to uh, check on it, and uh, I didn't notice until the last minute that there was a snake coming out of the top of the, uh, the fountain. And I didn't have anything to, uh, you know, smack it down with or, or, you know, cut the head off or anything like that. And so I kept my eye on it, backed away from it, walked around, and uh, the snake was also keeping its eye on me. And uh, it wasn't a very big, big snake, and it doesn't have to be big because when you try to run away from a snake, you're likely to hurt yourself more than a snake would. And the tools that I wanted was in the backyard. But anyway, the, the snake, as he kept his eye on me and I walked around it, I was going to try to get those things that would you know, help me get rid of it. And uh, so I took my eyes off of it for just a few mo- uh, seconds, really. And the next time I looked, it was gone. And I thought, well, it's gone into the hole that it came out of in, inside the fountain. And so I was, you know, very carefully trying to pry it out to find out where it is. But it shouldn't have gone down there, at least I thought. But anyway, I made sure that the, the uh, ground and the bushes that were there, that he wasn't in there. But this snake was, I guess you could say, he was uh, wise, more wise than me. And I should have known, you know, have, have things handy, be prepared for it. So anyway, it's still on the leash somewhere. So if you come over to the house, you know, you might want to look around and help them. But uh, as Christians, 
we're to be treated, and yet not, uh, we walk in faith, but, you know, not blindly, but as wise, knowledgeable, and prepared, believing and trusting in the Word of God. From the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, or chapter 22 and verse 4, it says that a prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The Word of God warns us of many things to come, as we have seen from the Word of God in the last days. So we're to watch our step, even as those who were told the same thing centuries ago by Jesus Christ and by the Apostle Paul. Now in Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 5, for example, about to, it says, Son, if you endorse a note for someone you hardly know, guaranteeing his debt, you are in serious trouble. You may have trapped yourself by your agreement. Quick, get out of it, if you possibly can. Swallow your pride. Don't let embarrassment stand in the way. Go and beg to have your name erased. Uh, I forgot what translation that I was uh, taking this from. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. If you can get out of this trap, you have saved yourself like a deer that escaped from a hunter or a bird from the net. Have a story that I can relate to that, but I, I want to try to get on ahead but because I, I had at one time that I was going to tell stories. But anyway, at college, uh, there was a book salesman who enticed me to buy this, uh, this encyclopedia book. And um, then after he had left, I looked at the payments and all of the stuff that I was going to have to do. I didn't have that kind of money each month to pay for it. I had to find him. I had to get out of that deal. And uh, fortunately, I did. But the Bible warns of many things. He warns, it warns us about false prophets and wars and disease that are going to come along. Now, Proverbs 6, you know, it's not a truth for us to not be generous, but to be wise and, and not overextend ourselves, but be good stewards of what we may have. In Luke chapter 21, verses 34 to 36, Jesus said to take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfacing or ex excess and drunkenness and cares of this life and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So these words were said a long time ago, but the truth remains that Christ will return. He will come again, and we must be prepared, and we do that by praying always so, we, so we're not overcharged with our excess, thinking that we, you know, everything that we have is something that's going to get us through. It's not. Last Sabbath in the sermon uh, that Mr. Gregory gave, 
we saw the scripture in Proverbs 6 that showed six things that the Lord hates, and that seven are an abomination. Verse 16, these six things does the Lord hate. And we find that these are at the heart of, of the troubles that we have in society. One is a proud look. And two is a lying tongue. And three is a hand that sheds innocent blood. And four, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. And feet, five, uh, that be swift in running to mischief. And a false witness that speaks lies. And he that sows discord among brethren. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Remember that from the last, sermon last week. So it is this wickedness in man that is the heart of waywardness and ruin that we see in our world today. And they present many innocent people trials, both spiritual and physical, traps that can ensnare us and throw us off track, derail us from the kingdom that we are looking forward to. So we've been forewarned, forewarned in the words that are written in Scripture by the writings of you know, the prophets and the apostles for our admonition today. But there will come a time, it says, when people will not listen to the words that were spoken by them. And so Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, for him to fulfill his ministry, whether people listen or not. In 2 Timothy 4, we read, said to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. You know, that's, that's God's word, not, you know, not the vain philosophies of man, but be instant in season. That's how, that's how we are led to the kingdom of God and understanding just what the holy days mean, teaching them in season and out of season even. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fable. So watch you in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry, he said to Timothy. And then Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. So Paul knew that his ministry was coming to a close, and you know, we read where he said, I have fought the good fight of faith, and that there was a crown laid up for him in heaven. So he was leaving in the hands of young Timothy to continue this good fight of faith even as he had told uh, Titus that they should ordain elders. So today we have the inspired uh, word of God in the writings of Paul to preach repentance and the grace of God and the glory that is to come. So are we still in tune with the calling that we have 
Are we still hearing the law and being doers of the Word, heeding the words of Christ and prophecy and like the Sermon on the Mount? Eyes have to be set looking ahead beyond this present age that we, that we live in. Because there is hope beyond this present, this present age and this present distress that we see. So what is said of those who know the way, who have come to accept the teaching of Christ and are baptized and are falling the way? What is said of those who know the way, who have learned the way, yet do not walk therein? Second Peter tells us in chapter 2, there in verse 20, he said, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In Acts 20, Paul took it seriously, warning against taking the grace of God lightly and not rejoicing in what that grace means to each and every one of us. We know from Acts, there in Acts 20, that 31 through, through 33, that by grace we are saved. And Paul said that he was pure from the blood of all men, for he received grace and forgiveness, just as we have in times past, the way we were. We can be assured that we have been forgiven, and due to the grace of God and to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. So, we read that one of the warnings that Jesus told his disciples to watch out for was false prophets. And he said to take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, the Messiah, and shall deceive many. Some may see this as you know, a literal uh, happening that, that is most like, but it's most likely figurative of someone who comes in, by the authority, claiming the authority of Jesus Christ. So, ever how that comes about, people can be deceived. Now turn to the Apostle Paul again in 2 Thessalonians, and he was telling the brethren there and in verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians 3, again, to let no man deceive you by any means, by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he's God. So this man is going to mislead many in that day to come and many are going to fall for his life. 1 Peter 5, verse 6, the Apostle Peter, Jesus Christ, he warned the brethren, as we heard earlier, to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, 
walked about seeking whom he may devour. So we're to be open-eyed. We're to be not, not paranoid to meet his day. So how do we do this? How do we protect ourselves? How can we be on guard? It says in Ephesians chapter 6, that verse 11, it says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So this is spiritual protection that we are to put on, that we are to keep our minds on the, on the things of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of, the, of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor, not just a part of the armor, but the whole armor, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. So he goes on to list the armor, which uh, you can do that, this protection that will reflect the areas of uh, darkness, probably dark Satan. My wife and I uh, had a friend who was new to the faith, and around the same time we were, this is back in 1973, we met him at college in Durant, and he was gung-ho about everything. He was enthusiastic, zealous, and eager, like a gung-ho soldier, to the truth, to the Sabbath, to all the things that he was learning from the Bible. And he was baptized a few months uh, uh, before my wife and I back then, and he was in our wedding as one one of our groomsmen. Anyway, he tended to be somewhat concerned that there were evil spirits where he worked. And he felt like he was being watched because he was now a begotten child of God. Just, uh, you know, in a way, uh, ironic that he was working at a uh, liquor wholesale company. <coughs> but he was on guard. Maybe it was his imagination, but it kept him mindful and trusting in God ever vigilant. Now, it was about a year later that. He was broadside, broadsided by a car, and he died in the accident. And I think about him from time to time, about his passion and enthusiasm that he had for the truth of God, trusting in God, and so on. So, like many of us, we may uh, have also experienced that that first love that we sometimes we forget to keep burning. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, the Apostle John wrote these words of Jesus. Beginning in verse 1, he said, And to the angel of the church at Ephesus, of Ephesus, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, this refers to, to the seven churches of which Ephesus is one of them. And the letter said, continued, he said, I know your works, I know your labor, know your patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and have borne 
and have patience, and for my name's sake have labored and not fainted. You know, when Jesus ascended to heaven, it left an opening for many false teachers claiming the authority of Jesus Christ to go out into the world. And it said that they were apostles of Christ, but they were not. But you have labored, and you have endured, he's telling the Ephesians, and you haven't given up. Verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because, because you have left your first love. You've abandoned the love that you had at the first. Sometimes it's difficult to maintain enthusiasm, hold on to first love in the midst of trying times and tribulation and trouble. Now, in the second epistle of Peter, Second Peter, chapter three. Verse 1. In the second epistle of Peter, he wrote, Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know, we, we have a mind that sometimes we remember things, we remember good things, and sometimes the bad things too. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days prophets walking after their own lust and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Here I want to squeeze in a, a few uh, verses from Hebrews 2. I don't have to spend much time there. Where it says in verse one, it says that we ought to give more, the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Like these the Ephesians who, who let their love, first love, uh, slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Remember John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So love is an important thing to have. It helps us to remember. It helps us to go on. That first love is what the Ephesians abandoned. So what is this first love? Or how would you think about this first love must have been? Was it they lost their love in the study of the Word of God? For prayer? For the keeping of the commandments, for the spreading of the gospel of peace, for the coming kingdom, for the Sabbath, for love for each other. You know, not just for those inside the household of faith, but also for those on the outside. Back to verse 5 there, where uh, uh, it says, 
Remember, therefore, talking to the Ephesians, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the first work, or else I will come unto you quickly, and will remove your candlestick out of its place, except you repent. You know, speaking to the church, but it could also be speaking to us as individuals. So don't fall out of love for Jesus Christ or the Holy Days, but keep true to the grace and mercy in His love for us. As we read, there is an adversary, adversary there, who, like the lion, has his eyes on the weak and the lagging and those who have left off the armor of God. We know that there are fears and that there are distractions in this age that prey upon our uh, mind and our spirit, but we have to avoid missing the mark that is set before us in the Scripture. Because to whom much is given, much is expected. We know that by grace we are saved. First <coughs> Peter 5 4. Because when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Galatians 1 4. 1, 4 not, I don't think it's on your handout, but Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father. In John 2, verse 2, that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, but not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which you have, that no man take your crown. Him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Remember Luke chapter 12, where Jesus said in verse 32, said, Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so Jesus says to us, Matthew 16, 33, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Set your mind on the goal to set our righteousness which we're going to accomplish. Titus 2, 14, Christ gave Himself to redeem us from all Iniquity to purify us to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And the reason given for Peter 2 9 is to show forth of, of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But we know that Satan still wants the kingdom to himself, and he wants to deceive us. 
still so much. The grace and the glory that is coming. Revelation 12, 12, it says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of, of the field, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time left. Matthew 13, we read about the parable of the tares and uh, verses 37 through 43, but we'll, we'll just drop down to verse 41 where it says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of, of his kingdom all things that offend, and then which do iniquity. Skipping to verse 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who has ears to hear, let him hear. Imagine shining forth as the sun in its brightness. Now, we feel it outside, but it's true. First Corinthians 15, verse, we can go to verse 49 to uh, 68, but let's drop down to verse 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through Jesus our Lord, our Christ. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Back over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 46. Write that. Reference that. It says that God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So the kingdom that is to come is a kingdom of grace and glory. It is to those who have received grace, who have repented, and of their sins and have been redeemed and given or promised a crown of glory as kings and thieves in this troubled world. Revelation 3, verse 21, it says, To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, that is, you know, my government that, that, that is going to come to this earth, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne, His government, by whose grace we're also saved. So we keep looking forward to the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. I could go back to the beginning where we, uh, where we sang those songs and put those things also into our mind and heart before we leave. 
we can be thankful for the amazing grace that we have received. And we can be resolved to walk the heavenly way. And that Christ is our vision that we set our sights on. That He is our friend who will never leave or forsake us and will crown us with the crown of glory. So in our world today, things may look ugly, things may go bad, but we have wonderful promises that God has made to those who have received the grace of God and who will be in the glory 